You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Okay, so John Roa is here. I mean, you're kind of in the hot seat today. I feel confused on whether I should say thanks for being here for our male perspective or I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're going to make me more nervous than I already am. (laughs) We'll take it as easy as possible. Yeah, don't be too scared. I mean, this is just friends talking, you know? Like, there's nothing to be nervous about here. There's just a lot of people listening to our conversation. It's no big deal. (laughs) A lot of, like, eavesdroppers at a bar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, Chip and I were just telling you, we both read your book, The Practical Way to Get Rich and Die Trying, and... It's obviously about your entrepreneurial journey and just your business life, but also mixed in there, there's a lot about your sexual escapades and the craziness that goes on in the business world that I personally, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I I can't tell anyone else's story. I've heard a lot of similar accounts, but you know, mine was, was pretty wild and there was a lot of times I look back on, I'm glad I'm, I'm not in that world anymore, but some of it was pretty fun. So yeah, it sounds like I mean, it kind of reminds me of what we talked about this on the last podcast we did. But what I see like new artists in the music world doing or like, you know, it's just kind of you, mm-hmm. you equate it to like that rock star lifestyle a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A lot of sex, drugs you know, and rock it, and roll. I mean, it really is. Tech and, people are the new rock stars. You know, they say that all the time. I was about to say, yeah, it, which, which is kind of depressing, right? Like, like the nerdiest people ever it shouldn't be our new rock stars but we are for some reason um you know like it, it's it's a shame we don't have more real rock stars these days but regardless of that yeah the lifestyle can get pretty insane when you give young people a bit too much access and too much money and too much you know kind of like risk and stress and pressure they're running from it can create a pretty crazy dynamic and and you know the stories i told are not uncommon amongst entrepreneurs yeah i thought it was interesting you mentioned a lot about just the amount of stress that you were under and so then on the opposite end of the spectrum you would go and just kind of like need to numb out and so that's where all the partying came in that's where just like you needed to not be responsible for a couple days that's exactly it and and this is not the right way to cope this is like, right. <laughs> I, i'm not advocating for this method of coping but this was this was my method and 
I figured that, you know, quote unquote, nine to five, even though it was more like, you know, seven to nine every day, but whatever. I, I figured I had too much control. I had too much responsibility. And so when no one was looking, when I could go and blow off steam, I, I went the other direction. And I was like, how little control can I have? How fucking mm-hmm. wild can I, can I make this night? How many bad decisions can I make? Because I'm forced to make good decisions all day. And, you know, that, that is a, that's self-destruction 101. Um, but, you know, it definitely led to some interesting nights. Yeah, some interesting stories for sure. I mean, and that's part of the book. You actually do talk about the meltdown that happened after. So without giving too many spoilers away, you guys go read the book. It's super interesting. And there's lots of juicy details about all of that stuff. But with some, one of the things that I found really interesting is the part that you were talking about, just the amount of sales and confidence that it takes to be an entrepreneur. And we were, Chip and I were talking earlier just about how that would kind of translate into your dating life. And you mentioned that your game was pretty strong with these, with ladies, just because you had that sales experience. So do you still feel yourself doing that? Like in your dating life now, do you find it hard to be completely authentic? Like, are you constantly just like the natural salesman? Completely not. No, it's the opposite now. Like, so I'm a very shy person. People who, who have known me outside of the business world, I'm always the quiet one at the table. I'm quite shy. I'm quite private, despite what you guys just read. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you're like today, I'm not running a company. I'm not in this high-pressure CEO kind of role. I, I live what I consider a pretty chill, typical life now. Typical for me, not for some people. But, like, compared to what I like used to be, it's typical now. And... I, when I meet women, I'm very shy. I don't have that bluster and that confidence that I did. Not that I'm not confident now, but I don't have that overconfidence. That right. Kind of like, you know, like I described in the book, because I don't, I'm not playing that role anymore. In fact, I don't even tell women who I am. I don't, when somebody asks what I do for a living, I say I'm an aspiring writer. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like to talk about it. I don't like yeah. to anything away. I don't, I don't brag. Anything. I don't, I don't wear fancy clothes. I don't do any of that stuff. So. So I was going to ask because we had a question from one of our listeners and um, I mean, I guess I think that's interesting. So it's sort of like a false persona that when you're doing these sales pitches and maybe in the past with women, Mm -hmm. but she said, how do I get the courage to talk to someone I'm attracted to? I feel so self-conscious and not confident or pretty enough and I need to change that. How? Yeah. Well, I think this is obviously a problem for, for everyone, right? Right. This is a, you know, for any perspective. And, and listen, I, I have a lot of empathy for that. The person who asked the question, cause I struggle with it too. Like, you know, and, and people are surprised by this because in business I was so ferocious and I had this confidence that like was always almost over the top, but that's why it worked. And that's also why it worked with women. I would be in these nightclubs and just, you know, probably high out of my mind or whatever, but I was like, convincing myself I was the top of the world. I had this ferocious confidence. And so like, if I looked at a woman, it was like, it was game over. Like I was, I was going to impress her. I was going to do these things, but I was also inventing all of that, even though it worked, which is weird. Where yeah. today, if I were to see like a pretty girl at a bar, I, I'm not sure I'd even have the confidence to go say hi to her. Really? <laughs> my friends are always like, yeah, my friends are like, really? Like you, you can't go, you know, like of what you've done and who you are. And I really struggle with it. I'm, I have hit on very few women in my life. It's not the way I am, but I'm getting, I want to be better at that. And so, you know, the way I work on it and the only advice I could give is like, just people can really detect confidence. They, they even detect 
both, you know, kind of false confidence and real confidence, but they can really detect it. And so you really have to kind of find your confidence with whatever you can get it from and present it to that person, you know, very, very quickly and, and, and to truly be confident. And that comes in the form of being funny and humble, but also just knowing what you want and telling somebody that you're, you're there for that. Yeah, I like that. So it's more, uh, to me, the, the older I've gotten, the more I've found that internal confidence is really kind of everything, right? Like in business and dating and friendships. And it's like yeah. having that inner peace within yourself just translates into everything else in your life. 100%. Did, and, and I'm guessing that some of these like instances in the book with the, ex, the escapades in Vegas, like these, it's, it's a little different situation because these women are coming after you because it's really about the money. I mean, it sounds like some of these people sure. are probably picking huge, up at strip joints. And so, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was like nightclubs and we're at tables that cost tens of thousands of dollars. So that was part of it. But there also was that confidence. And right. it's funny because we can say that it was like manufactured, but there's not a huge difference between manufactured confidence and real confidence, right? It's still confidence. And so, I was so like bullish and so like on back then that women loved it and women were drawn to that level of confidence. Um, so you, but you didn't I'm, have to hit on them. They were coming to you. It went both directions. You know, right. you, you saw somebody across the, you know, the, the, the area you're in at, at a nightclub and it was very simple to, to, you know, kind of just say what you want and that, you know, whatever. And, and that, that was that confidence and that drive. And, and it's funny because, again, as I mentioned earlier, that's not really how I am as a person. Like today, if we were all out of the bar, I, I'd be – if you said, hey, that girl's pretty good to hide her, I'd have to really like get myself going for that. It's less confidence and more shyness, I think. Yeah. But it is true that human beings are just drawn to confidence. We really, really are. And confidence yeah. can make up for so many other things. And, and yeah, I think you know, people that, that struggle with it, like I, I get it and I feel that. So you talk a lot in the book about these crazy wild days, like Chip just mentioned a lot of times in Vegas specifically, but you were actually in a relationship at the beginning of building yeah. your business, right? Mm-hmm. For I how, was, yeah. Yeah. For how was that dynamic? Well, you know, it, before the business started, you know, I was in a pretty, I don't know, kind of traditional 20-something lifestyle. Like I, I worked a pretty uninteresting job that I describe in the book of like in sales job for a little agency of living in Chicago, a little apartment. Like my life was more typical then than it has been since. And so I was dating this great woman called Courtney and we lived together in an apartment. And, and really when I started the business, she was really important to the beginning of the business. She was supportive and she was kind of an anchor for me. And as the business started to grow and that, that, that stress and pressure and risk started building, I made what I can acknowledge now was a fatal error. And that was convincing myself that I can't do that well having a partner. My mindset said the business is going to consume you and anybody that like you have to give all your attention to or be a good boyfriend or partner to, you're going to fail because you can't do both. And that is ridiculous. That is a stupid way of seeing things. And I was just simply wrong. And I've learned now that the majority of people that I know who are hyper successful and more kind of balanced and stable can, can attribute that to a great partner in their life. And so, you know, I broke up with her a couple of years in and used the mental excuse of I can't do both. And, and I truly do, you know, believe that that was a, a massive error of mine. 
Do you look back now at that relationship? Because I mean, you say that you were mentally convincing yourself that it was because of the business, but do you think it was just y'all weren't compatible or the right situation? Or was it truly that you were just so focused on business? Well, again, I, I think I convinced myself that I couldn't do both. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying that 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 she was, you know, necessarily going to be my forever partner or my wife or something. But it certainly shouldn't have been because of that. It shouldn't have been this blanket. You cannot be with somebody while you're an entrepreneur. That, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's silly. People have proved it over and over. And um, and, and I've even if I've got older, I've met more and more of my friends and people who are in highly stable and you know nurturing relationships and they are so much more successful than people who try to go out of the loan or say they can't be with somebody or kind of live that bachelor lifestyle while doing this it's it's a very different dynamic and i realized that was an error of mine back then i think it's so interesting because uh as a woman i feel like we balance that a little better like i've never i think maybe one time in my life i was just like not in a place where i thought i could have a relationship and we actually got a lot of questions about that from women just like why do men, you know, she, this one girl, Sabrina, she says, I'm so tired of dating men who aren't ready for a relationship. Even outside of dating right. apps, men have asked me out only to be told shortly after that they're not ready or they don't know what they want. She said, I have been having these conversations earlier and earlier because I don't want to waste my time and I'm not interested in just hooking up. But what do I do? Help. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, I associate with a lot of men that fit that profile. Right. Especially guys in bigger cities who are more successful. It, it sometimes comes along with success. And I think, you know, the, there's probably a lot of reasons, and, and I'm sure we can get deeper into like the more psychological reasons. But I think at the surface level, one of the things that successful men get caught up with more than other folks is they kind of done and seen too much. And after you're exposed to kind of certain aspects of the world that most people aren't, it can be tough to let those go. And this is why I'm saying it's more successful. Man. Once you kind of like lived at, at a certain level and, and you're around certain wealth and access and women and partying and these kind of things, that this kind of living between two worlds where you can see yourself, and, and I've been through this. I've actually worked with my therapist on this exact thing, is to say, on one hand, you're like, I can imagine the house and the dog and, and the cars and the wife and like, you know, living in a, in a beautiful place and not worrying about the hustle and the grind and, and dating and, and the cities and like having a peaceful life and, and having kids and like thinking that. And then you're like, but man, what would I be giving up? Or what would what about all those fun things I used to do? And what if I never do those again? And then you just kind of like battle yourself, you know, until you either do this until you're 60 and realize that you're unhappy or you're able to mentally get there and to realize that those things aren't never going to make you happy. They didn't then they're not going to the future and you got to move on. But that is a difficult road to cross. And I've seen it with a lot of my friends. I have mm-hmm. a lot of people who I respect great men who are probably going to be perpetually single because they can't get over that mental barrier. What is your do you therapist? Think some of that has to do. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was ask, like, do you think some of that has to do with the entrepreneurial spirit? Because, you know, it's not dissimilar to what was happening in your work life. You were constantly yeah. like every win you had became history really quickly. Like you needed another right. win to sort of, you know, it was that needle to your vein um, was the win. Yeah. So it's like in the same way, like 
you I could imagine not wanting to like settle for a girl or miss out on the other things in life because you were settling down. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we do have this fear of slowing down. And again, I can speak from the entrepreneurial side, but it's kind of anybody who's like super type A, right? Like we don't want to be held down. We don't want to not be able to go do something when it's presented to us. And this is why people, especially men who are more successful, that we, we get to do and see stuff that is not typical. Like when I was when I grew up, like I never imagined having any of this shit. I, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit to you know a middle class family in a conservative you know area a bunch of auto workers. Like I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff existed. Right. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into this world where it's like, you know, what I described in the book is like drugs and threesomes and private jets and celebrities. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And it's crazy. Cause especially when that happens at a young age, they're impressionable. And you kind of go from like thinking this stuff only exists in like music videos to then doing it every weekend. And it can be difficult to turn that off and to then say, I never want to do that ever again, because you know what it is. You didn't just see it on TV. You fucking did it. And some of it is quite fun. And so, you know, that that kind of feeling like anything but that is settling is is, a, is very hard to get over. And it's not it's not different than probably any addiction. Right. Yeah. You know, where, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to stop drinking, walking past that bar at night, you're like, uh, you know, it's because you, you know what that drinking feels like and you've had that dopamine hit and you want it again. And so, you know, sometimes that settling down, which is a kind of a shitty term, right? You're not really settling down. You're moving on to a new life that's probably better, but that your brain can get very complicated then. And, and I've done it. I've met some great women in the, in the past number of years, especially when I was living in Mykonos, that I didn't give a real chance to because I didn't want to stop that lifestyle. And it's only been the last maybe two years, 18 months kind of thing, especially the last year in New York, that I've really, really been working on this. This is like a core part of my therapy um, is to really, you know, move on to the next phase of my life that I know I want. I want that family. I want to not be in the hustle. You know, I want like a, a real home somewhere. I'm getting a dog. <laughs> so like, you know, but that is, is not an easy bridge to cross. Especially when you've done it all. Right. If you've only heard about it, it's one thing. You've done it, it's like, fuck. Those are some of that stuff it's hard to let go of. But doesn't it get kind of old too? I mean, again, I keep, I feel like this entrepreneur world is very similar to the music business. And I hear artists a lot of yeah. times say, you know, there's all the, the fun you can have on the road, but they're like, but it just gets kind of old after a while. And you really do want to have a place 100%. to come back to and that foundation and that yeah. security in a relationship. Well, and this is the funny part is it's not unlike drugs in this way to, to my analogy earlier, because like when you, when you actually are out doing drugs, a bunch, I'm talking party drugs, you're out doing Molly and Coke yeah. and you're doing drugs that are kind of all uppers. The thought of it is always more fun than doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like to say, you know, to reminisce about a, a weekend, you know, six months ago where you did a bunch of drugs and, and were in Vegas or whatever, and then you think about how awful you actually felt when you woke up the next morning and how many bad decisions you probably made and how depressed it made you, you know, three days later and there's no dopamine left in your brain right. and all right. these things. But all you think back on is the fun parts, right? And so as humans, we're, we're naturally thinking back to all the fun parts. But I can, but I can absolutely tell you 100%. It's like, especially with women. I know that we're on kind of the, the sex and dating talk in this conversation, so I'll kind of use that, is, you know, 
random sex with random women is normally the worst sex you can have. You're normally like blacked out or some kind of, you know, yeah. train wreck in, in the first place. There's all sorts of drama. There's all sorts of bull- bullshit. And, and it not only gets old, it's not even usually fun in the first place. What's fun is the retrospective, the thinking back of just those fun times or the stories or whatever. And that is what we get more drawn to than the actual act of doing it. You talked a lot about, I mean, it's kind of these partying days that you're talking about. And I think it's really interesting to think about only thinking back to the positive parts. But, you yeah. know, you did mention you you had a relationship, then you were also doing all this crazy stuff. And you mentioned Kevin's bachelor party as sort of like yeah. the place where all these escapades were happening. That's like the first place we're introduced to it in the book. Was that actually <laughs> yeah. the case or was that going on in your life like all along? It was definitely well, not all along. Definitely not all along. I, I never cheated on my girlfriend. So I, I was I started to see the kind of, you know, the decision I was going to make. I broke up with her, and then it was basically Sodom and Gomorrah after her. Like, it it, 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 it was after that. So I, yeah. I never cheated on her or anybody else. And that's one thing that I would never do to anybody. So I broke up with her knowing I was about to go make a bunch of very bad decisions. Yeah. And so Kevin's bachelor party was, was definitely not the first one, but it was one of the more iconic ones, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in the, in the timeline of the book, it was it was a little hard to tell whether or not you were cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nope. And it, Nope. Well, and to be perfectly honest, like the way you start the book, it comes in so hot that like, I'm like, where is it going to start? Where is it going to start? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, you're, and your childhood was really interesting, which you talk about a lot in the book. So I'm curious um, and, and you start, you like peg yourself to be a bit of a nerd, which, um, you know, that's sort of more in your words than mine, because I thought you, yeah, you, yeah. you come across really cool. Um but like, when did you lose your virginity? Was that in high school or was that until later in life? Hey man, nerds can be cool too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a proper nerd, man. Don't, don't let the cool stuff fool you. Though. Don't let the Instagram fool you. I'm a, I am a fucking nerd. But um, I lost my virginity at age 17. So I don't know, maybe a- average-ish. I think that's I average, yeah. Days, but yeah, yeah. wasn't like wasn't it was like insanely early. It wasn't like college. I think it was pretty average, like junior year of high school or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's some questions from listeners. This is kind of in regards to you know you talk a lot about the threesomes and all the women and just like how the sex is really actually not that great with a stranger. But Esther wants yeah. to know: Is it true that men can engage in sexual activities without feeling any connection or attachment to the woman? Um, however mild that may be, or do they feel connection, but just numb themselves to it, ignore it or shut it down? It's a great question. So obviously I, I need to caveat all the answers when I can't speak for men, right? I, I can speak for me. <laughs> You're in your experience. Some, some people I know, yeah. but in my experience, you know, I, I certainly was able to, to have sex and sexual connections that, that meant and felt absolutely nothing. And I'm not terribly proud of that fact, but I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it, when, when you're, you know, when you're having a one night stand in, you know, Ibiza or Las Vegas, you, you're, you're not thinking about much else except that. And, and many times by the time you wake up, they're gone anyway. And so it's not like <laughs> there's any even long tail to it at all. And, yeah. and listen, it, and it goes both ways. It's not like they're looking to get married to me either. Like generally there's two people who are looking for something quite short term and it ends. Um, and, and that's not that 
I would say common. It's also not that satisfying, right? Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I, I have been able to do that. And I would say that's pretty common amongst guys I know. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I think girls are just always way more connected. I think girls can do it too, though, like you said. It just depends on the kind of scenario. Um, Mar- yeah, I mean, listen, like if, if, if you meet somebody in New York City and you're at a bar and like, you know, you, you kind of have more of like a, a connection. Yeah. But listen, if you're walking out of a nightclub and, you know, and <laughs> in Tulum and it's like, all right, you want to do this? Well, go. I mean, I, I right. doubt either party is terribly considering what anything else than that next, you know, hour or whatever. So. Right. Exactly. Um, Mary Liz wants to know, how do you tell the difference between a guy when he's being nice to you because he likes you versus being nice to you just because he wants to bang you? <laughs> you, you know, it's, and again, this is where I'm sure it's, it's just, it's a bit of a, you know, there's too many possibilities depending on the guy. With me, I, I'm genuinely nice to people, and I struggle to not be nice to people, especially people I don't know. And so, like, I, I treat people well, um, and, and I can speak myself today. So, so, obviously, in the past, of being, I've been more of my bachelor party years or, you know, living in Mykonos or whatever. It was, if I was being super nice to you, it was probably because I wanted to sleep with you. Like, yeah. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. if, I met, if I was in Mykonos and met somebody in my beach club, and if I'm, like, you know, rolling out the red carpet, it's... Let's be honest. That's probably what it was. Um, but I also think there's just a lot of genuinely nice guys out there, you know, and, and that's who I tend to associate with. And what's funny is that women seem to be very confused by niceness sometimes. And I'll tell you a story of what just happened to me. I made a friend in New York, a girl, and we had our connection was another mutual friend that I had a previous relationship with. Um, and so I met one of her friends. And so to me, it's like platonic kind of off limits like I dated her friend so her and I were buddies had drinks a couple times you know I actually trained people in martial arts and so she had trained with me a couple times and we're friends and then all of a sudden um she had seen me I was uh, I had a couple dates with another girl and and I she kind of knew about that and then she kind of came to me and said if you know I actually like you more than a friend which which was news to me I, I had I thought we were purely platonic just friends and she basically said, and because it's clear you don't want that with me, we can't even be friends. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And, and I kind of got some intel from another person who was like, you were just being so nice to her that she figured you were really into her. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Okay. So, so apparently you can't even, you know, like if, if you're, if, you know, guys have probably treated women so poorly that if you're just nice to a girl, it must mean that you want them or like them more or whatever can't just be that you're being nice and i'm not sure if that's a good thing for us nice guys or a really depressing thing for men overall yeah it's so confusing though i do i relate to what that girl felt because i don't think as a woman it's like very easy to judge a guy's intentions all the time and we have been probably programmed to be like on guard with that you know because a lot of guys like what you said if you're in Mykonos in a club being overly nice, then you just want to sleep with that girl. So like, that's what the programming is. And either you kind of go into like, he likes me or he wants to sleep with me. Do you think that men and women can just be friends? So I personally do. And I know that this is a controversial topic. Yeah. I know that a lot of people will disagree with me. Some of my closest friends are women. Um, some of which I've known for decades and um almost none of them 
have been anything other than but friends, even for that entire time. Like my literal closest friend in the world is a girl named Amanda. We've been friends since late high school and we've gone through relationships in and out, in and out, in and out. We've been single, we've been together. She's now married, but we've never been even for a millisecond, anything but true friends. Yeah. And she is so important to me. It's indescribable. And so, uh, and, and she listens to your podcast. Hopefully oh, amazing. Hey, Amanda. What's up, <laughs> so, girl? Um, yeah. Amanda, I love you. So, <laughs> so yes, I, I you know, and, and she's not the only one. I have a number of incredible females in my life that are only friends. It's funny. Because of some of these, what I just told, like that other story with the girl that like kind of got confusing, I actually called a couple of my closest female friends. This is totally true. Yeah. <laughs> recently. And I was like, you're not in love with me, right? Like, you, you, this is not. You wanted to clear like, things I'm just up. Making sure, I'm making sure that like I'm not putting on the wrong signals. And they're like, "No, you fucking idiot!" Like, like you're, like, you're cool. Get over but yourself. No. I was like, okay. I was like, great, because like you know, because you kind of start to like, fuck. Am I inadvertently leading people on or something? Yeah. And so, no, I, I I've reestablished that you know a number of very important friendships with females are just that. So I do believe it can exist. Um, is this the girl that I saw try to kick you in the face on Instagram? <laughs> that was a different girl. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say she really yeah. went for it, huh? <laughs> Payback. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking, I wonder how many girls who saw that were like, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, okay, well, we have a couple of sex questions that will kind of shift the uh, trajectory here. But so um, one of, let's see, this is from Gina. And she says, can you just tell me where men learn how to go down on a girl? Because the majority of men I've been with seem clueless. And I wonder if it's an uh, effect of the porn industry or lack of awareness or good education. Sometimes slow and steady wins the race until the last hundred yards. You know, personally, I need more sensuality to get me going. And I feel let down by men I have been with. What are sorry that they just don't get it or the, that they know I can't read what she's saying. I don't know that they just don't get it. Okay. So John, yeah, they, they think that they know, but they don't. Yeah. Maybe they think they know, but they have no okay. idea. They think they know, but they don't. Yeah. So how do you feel Ooh. about your uh, cunnilingus skills here? Can you give us any tips? <laughs> All right. So, so, so here, I have a couple of insights here. So the first is that I'm not good at very many things. <laughs> this is, this is one thing I'm good at. I and love where this is going. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And so, so that, that I can unabashedly say that's been confirmed. How are you and so confident? I, think, <laughs> I mean, at, at some point you, you, you get feedback. You got the feedback over time and okay. you're like, okay, I'm clearly good at that. Okay. And, and I can tell you where it came from. It was, it was, it was a long time ago of having girlfriends who were fond of that being done and were very instructive on how to do it. And so I was really put through like boot camp during wow. a couple of relationships. And, and it also took that I quite enjoyed doing that. Yeah. It's, it's like, I think some guys might find it as, as to be like turning the keys out the car. Like you got to do it to get going. For me, it's, I really enjoy it. And yeah. So I think I was with girls who knew I enjoyed it and then were like, okay, here's exactly what you want. I want. And for enough practice, you get good at something. And so but I, I definitely think that the porn thing is probably a great uh, indicator of why a lot of men might be bad at it, but think they're good, which is probably a ton of things with porn, right? Totally. I think it's so, I think it's so um, what's the word is, it's so rampant today of, of, 
of how much porn is out there and how much you know men consume it, that they're probably pretty off base on a lot of things, especially younger men. I can't imagine how bad like late teens, early twenties men are at sex. Oh my god! Right yeah, now. I mean it, it's got to just be an absolute nightmare, right? And so, you know, I definitely think porn could be a thing, but I also think it's because it is way more kind of personal and intimate than other sexual things, right? Um, and I don't think that women are nearly as instructive on what they actually want. And so if a guy's not doing something right, I don't know how many women are stopping them and saying, no, 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 no. like do that or stop doing that or go slower or go faster. I don't think women want to do that. They're probably scared of hurting the guy's feelings yeah. or, you know, like bashing his ego or whatever. And so if the dude thinks he's doing it right and she seems to be enjoying it, why would they ever change that? Right. And so what I would say, and this is probably a bigger, I guess, more general piece of advice that I've learned is like, say what you want and don't be afraid of doing that. Because if the person then starts doing it better, you're both going to enjoy this experience more. Right. So just like, just let, let go of the ego on both sides and just be like, no, 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 this is not how you do it. Do this and then get what you want. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
So when you say you got a lot of feedback, because I do think you're right that a lot of women have a hard time just saying what they want. That is, it's like, I don't know if it's our programming from forever ago or what that is, but it takes a lot for a woman, especially younger women, to say what they want. How did you hear the feedback? Like, how did you accept that? Was it delivered to you in a way that was like maybe gentler or like, what do we need to do? What do we need to say? Well, I think that like, and that's where some of, you know, as I addressed earlier, when you're having random sex with random women, mm-hmm. it's normally not very good. Right. It usually gets better when you're with somebody and you're more consistent with them because you're learning each other, whatever. And once you're in that dynamic, it doesn't need to be marriage. It doesn't even need to be a long-term relationship. If you're just consi- you know, consistently seeing somebody, you would hope that trust gets built up enough where you can have that conversation. Or, you know, the best advice ever given to me when it comes to sex was make it 100% about the other person. And that has, that has gotten me a long way when hmm. it comes to that and when, when it comes to you know, having more quality sex. Because if both people are in that mindset, invariably you're both going to have the best time and yeah. exactly what you want, right? And, and so it's hard to have both people immediately in that mindset. But if, if one person really makes it about the other person, then the other person might say, hey, I'm going to kind of reciprocate. And then you kind of get to that dynamic and that trust is built that you can say, like, what do you like? How do you want me to do this? And those are perfectly fine questions to ask somebody once you have trust built. Listen, you're on a one-night stand after a bar, it's probably more difficult. But that's also yeah. why it's probably not going to be as good as that's true. I mean, that's such a good point about giving and, and making sure your partner's happy. Cause like what else is like, it turns me on so much when my partner is actually like super into it and you're right. Then it's like right. reciprocated. And I never even thought about yeah. that, but that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, it, go it, ahead. You get both people to do that. Yeah. That becomes brilliant. And, yeah. and it's funny. Like I'll tell you what's, what, is, this is very indicative of what we're talking about and probably why men have screwed up this programming so much. It, so there are times when like you're, you're with a girl and, and maybe it's because of any, any number of situations where like you, all you might do is like go down on them and that's it. And that's going to be it. They are so like, but wait, don't I, don't I now have to do that back? Isn't that just like, they are, they are never, women are, are really weird about like just getting like taken care of. Oh yeah. I would like, and, even when you said that, I'm like, wait, what? Exactly. But like, but that should the same way that like, you know, I think most men would be like a random blowjob. Like I would, I would take that, you know, like yeah. that doesn't seem that weird. The fact that women like they, they, they're so like, okay, he touched me. Now I got to like touch him back. I think that mindset needs to go. It should be purely like, you know, make the other person feel as good as possible. And it, and then once it's reciprocated, it becomes epic sex. Interesting. I like those points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Jojo wants to know what turns a guy on the most, which is such a general question. So I guess we'll just have to say what turns you on the most. You know, I'll, I can answer this one. I just had this conversation actually. Um, what turns me on the most is anticipation. And so I really like knowing kind of like what's going to happen or like talking about it or planning for it or whatever. Like to me kind of, knowing something's going to happen tonight or this weekend or whatever is a huge turnoff for me. And like, by the time it's there, it's, it's like great instead of things that are more spontaneous. And this might be driven because I have been so spontaneous, right? Mm-hmm. My entire sex life has basically been, you know, kind of one night stands and random girls. So I think that like 
talking to somebody, knowing it's coming and planning for it and getting mentally, like that really turns me on. So are you talking about actually sex or just like the dating experience in general? I more mean sex. Yeah. Like you said, like what turns you on for sex? Yeah, I more, I more mean that. Like the buildup of I that. It, exactly. Like the buildup. And then like even, you know, I, I think just like going slow, which is one of those things I think is lost on most younger men, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe younger women too, but like there's, you know, at least starting slow. Right? It doesn't need to all be slow, but like everyone, go, not everyone, a lot of people go too fast in general with the whole experience. And so it's like, slow the fuck down. Yeah. And it all becomes a much bigger turn on. Yeah. The build up, right? Yeah. We, we've talked about that mm-hmm. a lot um, here yeah. about, you know, for, for me, foreplay is where it's at. A hundred percent. But uh, it's, it's funny too, because we've also talked about like, you know, the complications of being in a relationship where two people are really busy and the need to schedule sex is right. that something, I mean, you're, you're not in a relationship right now, but like, is that something that, um, you know, you could see yourself enjoying the fact that sex is scheduled or does, is that sort of a turnoff for you to think that like, Oh God, life could get to a place where it's like, it has to be, you know, yeah, on a schedule. That, would, that wouldn't, I don't think that would feel great for me. I've never been there. So I can't tell you. If it was right. scheduled as if it, it, it was like scheduling, picking up laundry, like something we got to do tonight, that wouldn't be great for me. But, when, but planning for it is like from the anticipation standpoint, I think is a turn on. So it's kind of a nuance there. Right. Um, but, but I think, yeah, like I understand people are busy and, and I don't have that like nine to five lifestyle. I'm certainly not like married with kids. So I'm imagining it would be very different if scheduling is your biggest challenge. I've never had that. So I can't really yeah I've said the scheduling could be a little bit like what you're describing about the anticipation because if you're like hey this is what the day looks like but like I gotta have you and then you like build up through the day or you're like texting each other whatever it is like that can actually get pretty hot then then hell yeah for sure yeah I more meant if it's scheduled in as like an errand you gotta do right right. (laughs) then it's probably not that that good of a turnout that's what Chip always says he's like if it's scheduled every Tuesday at 7pm like sorry I'm just yeah that's so boring (laughs) I'd rather be divorced (laughs) Um, okay, For we have sure. a couple questions as far as guys go with like communicating and ghosting. You know, ghosting is such a big thing nowadays, which I just think is such a shit move. Like, can we all put on our big girl panties and our big boy panties, underwear, whatever you call them, and talk to each <laughs> other, you know, just like say what you're feeling. Yeah, and if you're not you, into you it, just, so. just not be into it. But yeah, so Barbara said, I have a lot of questions about ghosting. It seems like a common practice now. Guys ghost and think nothing of it. They just go from woman to woman without second thought. Is this, isn't this rude or is, are there just too many fish in the sea to distract? I think, I, well, I think it's both. I think it's rude and it's probably a, uh, not actual too many fish in the sea it's probably the same number of fish in the sea. We just have more visibility into the sea. Like, like the water's clearer, you know, and that's because of dating apps and whatever. And it's like, if you want to, you can probably have access in some way to hundreds of single people per day. Yeah. If you live in like a big city or whatever, like here in New York, it's, you know, you could spend a few hours on some apps and go to a bar and go to a restaurant and, and you're exposed to literally hundreds of single people. Now, they're all not who you desire. They're not all going to be available to you. But, like, I think it's the concept of that that gets people so 
you know, kind of like, you know, honeybee between flowers kind of thing, because it's like, you know, why stop with this one? What if the next one is better kind of attitude? Mm-hmm. And that's probably where a lot of the ghost thing comes from is because talking to women can be kind of that dopamine hit like a drug can, right? So it's like you, that first time that a woman's like into you or the first time you have sex or the first, or the first time you like, you know, you're going to have sex, right? When she shows up, you know, and you're like, damn, that can be such an addictive feeling yeah. that, you know, after you're, after you're, you know, somebody for a few times, you're like, no, I need the, the good stuff again. I need that like dopamine hit again. And, and again, in, I think in, in centuries or, or even decades past, it wasn't that easy to do, you know, to talk to a woman. Like you'd have to put in a bunch of effort and like physically go somewhere and whatever. If you could just open your phone while you're watching TV and like get that dopamine hit, you see why people are so, you know, hard to break that like any dopamine hit you get right do you feel like like if you are going out with a woman I mean you've mentioned that you've been kind of dating around so like if you go on a couple dates with someone you just realize maybe it's not a good fit do you have a conversation with them or do you just kind of let it fizzle out assuming we've got far enough along where we're talking and like we're consistently talking, I would 100% reach out. Like I, I don't, I, I would feel kind of like a douche if, if I just said nothing, right. especially if it was someone who like lives near me and you're not going to run into, like that's just not how I am. I'd have no problem reaching out to a woman and saying, Hey, look, it was, it was an absolute pleasure. You know, I don't think this is the right thing for me right now. Like I would have, I, I have no, I, I can't even say I wouldn't, I, I don't have a problem doing that. And I have, I have sent that, that text or made that phone call a number of times. Um, I think it requires a certain point. Like if I go out for drinks with a girl once, I might not send like a whole breakup text. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yes, I do think <laughs> after a certain point, <laughs> I think after a certain point, it's just respectful, you know? And, yeah. but listen, it happens in both ways. I've like gone with a girl a couple of times and just like poof, disappears. And then you'll see her on social media or whatever with like somebody else. And you're like, damn, like so it, it definitely does go both ways. Mm-hmm. I think men are worse at it probably because they're more drawn to that dopamine. Hit. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Nicole asked a pretty specific question and I actually want your take on it. Cause I have my own and we can get into that in a second. But Nicole says, I've been seeing a guy for two months, been in daily communication. He goes on a boy's trip for his birthday and goes MIA, like doesn't even respond to my text asking how it's going. Is he intent? Intentionally not making me a priority yet or unintentionally being a dumb boy. John, what do you think? So my, my guess would be it's intentional. It is very hard to unintentionally ignore somebody right. uh, in our day and age, right? Like you, you're looking at your phone 300 times a day. Yeah. You know the person exists. And so it might be subconsciously intentional, but it's still intentional. Um, you know, I've, I've often used the too busy card to get out of relationships or to get out of potential relationships because it's easier to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to call you back. Mm-hmm. That's not fucking true. Right. There's not a human being on the planet that is so busy they can't call or text somebody back. That is not how the world works, right? Yeah. Like some of the literal most busy people in the world have very successful relationships. And if they weren't calling their spouse back or texting back, they wouldn't have successful relationships. And so busyness and whatever in a boy's trip, you know, it was probably super intentional. It was probably wanted to blow off steam or wanted to be more available or make him, make himself feel better about being available. If he went there and wanted to sleep with girls, 
it's like if I ignore that conversation, I feel better about what I'm doing. So right. it certainly could be that. Like, listen, I've used that too. I've been like, oh, sorry, I was, I've been just with my boys all weekend. I've been offline. I've been bullshit. It's, it's all intentional <laughs> in some way. That was my first reaction too. I was like, I hate to feel this way for Nicole, but like, uh, the thing I've learned about guys is like. If guy, if a guy wants to talk to you, he fucking talks to you. Like, it's just not that complicated. Yeah. Everyone, like you 100%. said, has the time. And we're all so connected to our phones at all times. Like, I don't care who you are. You can send a fucking text. Like, it's just not that 100%. hard. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I kind of felt bad for Nicole here. Yeah, it's it's never yeah. been easier to communicate. <laughs> right. I got That's this. Exactly it. I got a vibe. Like, he's on a, a boy's trip and probably in my head of course I always go super dark but like I would just I just feel like oh he's probably like fucking around or there's a bunch of girls around and he doesn't want to feel guilty and so if he doesn't communicate with her then he doesn't have that contact to like feel like he's fucking up that's exactly it it's out of sight out of mind kind of thing yeah and and yeah like you know, again, I, I'm not one, I, I've never cheated on a girl, I wouldn't start now, but I certainly have been like talking to a girl where I've been like, you know, ended up on a quote unquote boys trip. And if I'm going silent, it's because I'm doing something else. Right. Like, that's just how it's going. Right. Yeah. Silence has never been good in my experience, Nicole, but, no. um, Sorry, okay. Nicole. yeah, sorry, Nicole. Uh, let's talk about your dating life now. So I've actually heard New York is like vicious when it comes to dating. Like there's just people just like date a lot. Is, is that true? You know, I, I've heard that too. I've been here a year now. Um, I, I don't feel it that way. I really don't. Okay. Uh, I would say the majority of people I've, the majority of new friends I've made in New York are in relationships and in consistent relationships. And so I've actually met more people who are, who are with somebody than not with somebody. And I've dated, you know, a handful of women I met here. Um, only, only one so far that's been, you know, kind of official or whatever. Okay. And, and honestly, it's all been like compared to other places. So let, let's use like Los Angeles as another example to go kind of East and West coast. There's nowhere in my life I've been that's been worse for dating than Los Angeles. You want to talk about flippant and dramatic and flaky and all those things. That is every female I met in Los Angeles. It was unbelievably bad to date. One of the primary reasons I left New York for me, I think quite the opposite. I mean, New York has been really great women and like, and, and yeah, it, it's no bullshit. So maybe it's a bit more like fierce insofar as that, like, if a person's not stealing it, they're going to fucking tell you. Yeah. <laughs> or if like, you know, you know where you stand. But, yeah. But it's, but to me, that's fine. Like, I, I don't, I prefer that over like games and bullshit. You At know? least you're not wasting time. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you, if you go on a date with somebody and one of you isn't stealing it, like, I don't want to go on a second date, nor should the other person. So, right. Um, so yeah, New Yorkers might be a little more like direct. I guess, but to me, that's probably better. But, but overall, in terms of like maturity, this is the best dating scene I've been in that, that people are adults. They know what they're looking for. They're not afraid to tell you. They're also not afraid to date. Like there's no, there's, there's not like all those games. There's nothing that's worse to me than games. And, and to me, I don't get that here. Um, so yeah. So, so, you know, I, I found it to be pretty good. My dating life has been, you know, good. I'm making a new network in New York, meeting some great people. Um, met somebody recently I'm really excited about who is kind of not my normal, um, I don't know, my, my normal 
profile. And that's been really exciting. And so, you know, but, but I'm, I'm in that mindset where I've done that work. I kind of crossed that chasm. You know, I, I used to live a life that, that, you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to take back. I had, yeah. we did a lot of things, had a lot of fun, had a lot of experiences, learned a lot, saw a lot, did a lot, tried a lot. And it was awesome. I've worked very hard on myself in the last 12 or 18 months to move on from that and not crave that chaos and that, mm-hmm. you know, that uncertainty and, and whatever. And I'm definitely there. I don't chase it anymore. I don't really think about it anymore. Um, and so, you know, it, so it makes it a lot easier for me to date. I can see things through a different lens. It's not about sleeping with every woman I see. It's, it's a much different perspective. And it's, it's been great, actually. So. so do you feel like you're completely ready to settle down? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, it's going to take the right person. And I think the, the settle part of settle down isn't what I would do, right? So it's not going to be the, the first person that I think is interesting. It's got to be very specific. And I, I do know what I want. But yes, when that person is, is available um, and the timing's right, then I'm, I'm done. All I want is like kids and a house and a dog. So. so you're 36, is that right? 36. Okay. So what kind of age range are you dating in right now so i would say for me probably like 28 to 34 yeah has been kind of my range i would say and and some of that is just i think from a position and life standpoint you know I, i like i think women mature faster than men but i think women that are you know before they're like 28 or 29 they're still kind of kids mm-hmm. i think for men it's like it's like 34 <laughs> until, they're, <laughs> until they're adults. Um, and so I think that that's kind of drives some of it. But some of it's also practicality. It's like I kind of know what timeline that I, I would ideally be on, like family and stuff. And so, right. you know, it, it's, it's not that if I met somebody who was 27 or 35, it would be like we're not going to go on a date. It's more that's just kind of where it's trended. That's not the biggest. I don't really think about it that much. But. It's just kind of how it lines up with your life. Again? It's kind of just how it lines up with your life, though, right? Like I've I'd, I've had guy yeah. friends who are my age, but they're dating women much younger than me because of, I mean, honestly, what you're saying. And like my boyfriend is nine years older than me, so I do okay. think it's what it's true about like just the maturity levels, maybe what you're looking for at the different times in your life, and all of those things. Yeah, I mean, the majority of men that I know are fucking idiots until about age thirty three, thirty four, and then they start to become adults. <laughs> And so, and listen, I was as well. I I fit firmly in that demographic. And so I, you know, until a couple of years ago, my mindset was different. I chased different things. There is something exciting about it. Yeah. Exactly. Know why it's so exciting, but it it can be, at least you tell yourself it is until you realize that like you can't have a conversation with them. Right. But like in the, in the moment or in the chase, it can be quite exciting. And listen, I did that too. I, I, I am, I will admit to that one. Um, but I think that like, you know, in the last year to two years, I've, I've, I've evolved and, um, and just my, my, my drivers are different. My, my, my needs, my goals are different now. So. Yeah. And don't you think the younger women thing being exciting, it's like, I mean, if, especially if you're talking about partying days, like, I mean, when I was in my young twenties, I mean, that's all I wanted to do. And I didn't care about being serious or anything like that. Totally. So again, yeah. it's like life lines up the same in that capacity. A hundred percent. And listen, like no matter, no matter what age you are, there's somebody there who's on the same page as you. Yeah. And so like when I was, you know, 33 or something living in like Greece, you know, the biggest party island in the fucking planet, only yeah. a beach club. It's like, 
trust me, there was a lot of access. And so the thing is, is like if you're there and your mindset is like two to three days of fun per awesome girl you meet, and you're going to show them a great time and like party, and then they're going to go poop into midair. There are plenty of women with that exact same mindset. Right. right? But the moment, the moment that you're like, okay, I'm good with that. You know, like I, I've, I've done that, been there and I'm now ready to move on. There are now women, you know, that are of the right age, of the right mindset. So it's, I think it's just you have to shift what you want. It's not really that there's that it's a limit on kind of supply. It's more like your own mindset. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. We like, actually, whereas right now, like if, if I ran to a 21 year old at a bar, I, like I couldn't be less interested. In, well, like, right. Even, you know, having cut like because like no what would you life. have in common? Honestly, like other than maybe she's hot to you, you know, like that. I've always just when I see guys dating, I I just said my boyfriend's nine years older than me. So I don't know what this means. But when I see guys dating like much younger, I'm just like, what the fuck do y'all talk about, though? Like for real. And and that's That's why you work out. And and, and it it usually corresponds to like, you know, the girls. Listen, if you're if you're a 21 year old in Mykonos, you're probably a model. You're probably a sort. And so or Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. She's not 21. No. Um, and so, you know, usually it's, it's that, right? It's that, like they're, they're super hot and they're exciting and they're like little party girls and it right. can be fun for a moment. But yeah, if you start dating one of them, it's never going to go anywhere, which, which it never does. Um, and the other thing is, is that in my experience, the sex gets better with, with age, with women. Yes. Um, there, is, there is no worse sex than a super young girl. Right, like, like a 21, 22, like you want to talk about bad sex. <laughs> I mean, like I, I know that's kind of the topic of this podcast, so we'll hit that. But like, it is—it's it, never been good ever. It can be exciting. Why though? Tell good. us more. Like, what do you mean? Because well, they just don't know what they're doing, right? right? Yeah, a- absolute lack of experience. But yeah. Also, just like, just you know, usually they're like, and they're kind of new to the whole thing, including like partying. So they're usually just like out of their minds, drinking too much, like in that party world. So like, you know, it's never good and. And a lot of times it's even a correlation with the hottest girl. Mm-hmm. Like literally I, I've, you know, and this is, might make me feel like an absolute douchebag to say, but I'll say it anyway, because you know, it's kind of an open conversation is like, I've been with some extremely beautiful women with like big models and actresses and, and women that like anybody can objectively say are about as beautiful as they get. And generally they are far worse in bed yeah. than someone that's not quite as attractive. I've actually heard that before too from other guys and it's they say it's because they don't know they never have to work for anything like it's usually like the guys are chasing them it's just like they don't you know like there's a lot of I I, I hate to like put models into this little blanket statement but like that's where I've heard about it a lot it's just they're so used to guys chasing them they can't even have a conversation like a flirty dynamic that you know where you could have the feel the chemistry and all of that stuff just because that's not been the way that their life has worked. Well, and this is, this is probably, this isn't the nicest thing to say, but it's, I have a lot of friends who are models and this is something that's very consistent in that world is that guys, guys want to fuck models. Right. That's what they're trying to do. So it is a kind of a one way transaction. Like it is for the guy's benefit to have fucked the model. And it's not like sex. It's not like yeah. two people trying to, you know, to have fun and, and make each other feel X, Y, and Z. It's like the guy trying to do this and it's a lot of it's ego and whatever. So, um, that's what you hear a lot. It's like, they've never, 
been like they haven't been as exposed to like two people really enjoying themselves for a few hours in bed. It's like no, I've been I got fucked by a guy. Right, that's a sad thing. Right, that is not a nice thing. But that's a lot of the way that goes. And also, they probably you know have been in relationships at a far younger age. A lot of the models I know like. You know, they started dating and partying way too early because they mm-hmm. were a bit prettier and like looked more mature than others. And so they're probably used to like older guys that, you know, instead of like their peers, you know, when we were all screwing around as like college kids with each other, they were probably dating 35 year olds. Right. right. And so they, they probably never went through those phases. And so there's, there's definitely a correlation between like extremely pretty women and like incredible lack of experience or even interest in sex. It's so fascinating to me. I always say like the greatest gift that the universe gave me was being super ugly in junior high because it like made me develop a personality and you just have to work for things a little bit more, you know? <laughs> um, Listen, I, I, I tell you, like, if I, th- I think being that pretty, we're talking like as pretty as it gets, is a, is a massive curse. Yeah. I, I actually feel bad. For, for any woman that is out, like out that level, especially if they get there too young. I think that yeah. is one of the biggest curses in our society today. Yeah, I would agree with that. So as a person who is, you know, you've had a lot of success business-wise, I mean, you're obviously very independent. Are you also attracted to people who have their own shit going on? Or is that like intimidating to you? What, it, what would you say you're looking for in a woman? Um. It's interesting. I, I, I've gone through, I think, multiple iterations of this. And there was a period where I saw myself as one half of a power couple. I, I thought a lot about, like, these other relationships I've seen where both people are, like, crushing it. Yeah. And they're really, like, taking on the world together equally. Where, like, you know, you could have, like, one high-powered, you know, one's a CEO and one's a big real estate agent. And they're out there, like, crushing life. I actually saw myself in that dynamic for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually somewhat drawn to women, not, not turned off, but the, quite the opposite, drawn to women that were very high powered or that had a lot going on or whatever. And I, I dated a couple of women like that and it was not nearly as nice as I thought it was going to be. Um, it, it can be very challenging because I know who I am. And, and even though, life is slower today than it has been in the past. My life's still not slow. And, and I will always be involved in a million projects and hustling and traveling and doing stuff. And I've realized in kind of shifting my, my focus and what, I'm, what I realize I'm looking for is somebody who, you know, is obviously you know, smart and ambitious, whatever, but it doesn't nearly have that like type A drive because if we both have it, you'll never slow down. Right. You'll never find balance of anything. You'll just always be redlined. And I do that enough to myself. And so I need somebody who's going to kind of counteract that. Who's yeah. going to be able to slow me down and pump the brakes and create balance and those kind of things. And, and, and I talked about the person I recently met who is a bit of a different you know, dynamic or profile than I'm used to. And that's how she is you know, lives a much um, more balanced life than I do. And it's actually amazing to participate in. So. Yeah, I love that idea of balancing each other out. Because if you are exactly alike, like you said, it's so difficult, especially schedule wise, even and each person thinks like, well, I have all this going on. So you know, like, you need to adjust to me and it, there really can't be two right. people in that dynamic. And, and you know, and you do see it happen. Yeah. sometimes. But then whenever I've seen it happen, like I know a couple of people who are excuse me, incredibly successful. I'm talking like, you know, the top, top, top tiers of their games, both of them. 
And what you realize is that the marriage becomes pretty transactional. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they're deal making with between each other, right? And, mm -hmm. and it's and it's not a dynamic I'd ever want to be in. And that's what I've observed of like these power couples. Sometimes it's literally transactional and both like have boyfriends and girlfriends and like the marriage is literally that of like power or whatever. You, yeah. you actually see that in real life. Yeah. Like so so for me, what I've realized is like that you know, somebody who creates that balance and can slow me down um and can act like that kind of opposing force to me is a super nice feeling. And that's what I know I'll ultimately need. Now that doesn't mean boring. It doesn't mean like somebody who doesn't have ambition or doesn't do anything and is just like sitting around all day. It's just somebody who, who approaches life from a different kind of power system than I do. Yeah. Well, I think the idea of balance is really great. You know, I have always been a very self-made and independent and a lot of my friends are like that too. And it's in the dating world, it's been difficult for me to date, uh, you know, either like people in my music business world or just like anyone who's like super successful because as much as guys say they want someone who's super independent, a lot of guys in my experience can't deal with it. And so we have a yeah. couple questions about that. Um, Carter asks, do men want to wife up an independent lady or are they intimidated? Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I know a lot of guys who get intimidated by that. You know, I think I can see a place in my life where I would have. Like, you know, think back to what I said. When I started my company when I was 26, 27, um, when, when I was struggling, when I was still didn't know what I was doing, I was in debt, whatever. Yeah. Had I met a girl even who was the same age as me or whatever, who was like killing it, I think it would have made me feel a bit weird. Yeah. I think I would have struggled with that a bit because – you know, listen, the, the, the gender roles are such that men are supposed to be more successful. I mean, it's all bullshit. And like, I, I know so many hyper successful women, but those are what we're taught. We're told, especially, you know, when we grew up more than today is that that's the man's role and this toxic masculinity kind of bullshit. So I could definitely see why that would happen. And, and listen, I actually truly do believe that men are more insecure than women. Yeah, uh, I think men have incredible levels of insecurity overall that they don't deal with. And that's probably why they're worse than women, because women are far more, I think, adapted dealing with them and talking about them and acknowledging them where men just bury that shit mm -hmm. down and like fight it and whatever. So I think men are, are overall incredibly insecure and have very fragile egos, et cetera. So, you know, in, in today, I could meet the most successful first woman in the world and be fine, but that's also because I'm very comfortable and confident with where I am. I'm very secure as a person today, but I can definitely see other times in my life where I would have struggled with that. Yeah, well, and I do think the balance thing, the balance point you made is such a great point because if just depending on where you were in your life, like you said, your life has slowed down a little bit. I mean, you're obviously never going to just stand still, but like maybe now you could handle someone who had a little bit of a busier schedule than you could have when you were in the mix of all of the stuff. It would have just been too yeah. much. Um, Ashley asked, why do men run away from strong women? I've recently been talking to someone for a month straight and we went on a few dates, then got into one disagreement. We talked it through, but he started backpedaling. He said we were still good seeing each other and taking it slow. Then bam, it's been five days since I've heard from him. Help. I think the insecurity point you just made is a really interesting for this question. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the underlying the underlying theme is that, you know, this guy and other men are probably more insecure than you think, mm -hmm. you know, cause, cause we're, we're kind of, and it kind of goes back to the topic of my book, right? We're kind of trained 
like entrepreneurs and like men and, and other roles to, to come off as strong and, and confident and whatever when we're not. And so, you know, she might think that this guy was like, you know, super secure or super confident until there was a bit of an issue. And now you're seeing his real self come out. And, you know, and, and so what I would say is you can't shoot somebody down or, or, you know, or crucify them for being insecure. We all have insecurities. I still do. And I think most of us do, but I think that like, at least understanding those probably are the issue. And so yeah. you can look past, oh, oh, is it him? Is he, is he scared I'm strong? He's not scared you're strong. That's ridiculous. Like, what, what is it to be scared of? Right. Likely something else triggered his insecurity. And so to really think about what else might it be, even even asking it more directly and trying to get there instead of just writing it off of strong women, I'm not sure what that means. Like, I mean, if, if a woman is like, you know, if a woman is confident herself, that could draw from insecurity, but no man's going to be scared of that. Right. They might feel awkward or the dynamics are off or it doesn't kind of meet those gender roles or whatever. But I would, I think you're, you're going to diminish it and probably miss a point where you could become closer with him. If you really dig into why it's, it's actually happening and kind of get out of this generalization that he's scared of you. Yeah. I actually think what's something I've learned probably in the last year is most of the time when people are either backing away or fighting off something or even defensive, like it actually has nothing to do with you, you know, like it's just their own projection of their own insecurity. And so the second you can kind of remove yourself from that place and then you being defensive and just understand there's probably something else going on with him. It just makes it a lot easier. Um, 100%. Chip, do you have anything else you need to get off your chest for John? I mean, I know you feel like you've learned a lot about him in the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we touched on a lot of the stuff. Um, you know, I've, I have stuff that doesn't really pertain to this podcast that I can talk to him about. But <laughs> we don't, that, He'll send you an email topic. after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the book, The Practical Way to Get Rich and Die Trying comes out on September 8th. John, you also have a podcast. We, this is how we met. He has a podcast on iHeart as well. It's called The John Roa Show. Where else can people find you other than the book, the podcast? Is Can you give us your Instagram handle? Totally. So Instagram is just my name, John Roa. Okay. H-N-R-O-A. And then my website is roa.com, R-O-A.com. So you can go there for all the updates and all the fun stuff. Um, you know, love to chat with people as they read the book and answer questions. I'll probably do a couple like Q&A Instagram things. So kind of follow me, shoot me some DMs there. And and yeah, so so the book is... I'm guessing by the time people hear this, it'll be within the week. Yes. So you can pre-order the book on Amazon and it'll arrive to you on September 8th. Um, and then every after the 8th, every bookseller and bookstore should have it. So can't wait to hear people's feedback. I am so excited and so fucking nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be nervous. Chip and I both said it was a, such a great read. We both read it within like two days. So it was just really fast and easy, Amazing. but also informational. And I learned a ton. So appreciate you sharing. We really appreciate you giving us some male perspective today. We've needed it. I mean, Chip, I know you're a male too, but he gives us the gay perspective. So we needed, <laughs> we needed a hetero guy to come in and tell us what it's like. Yeah, listen, I, I hope it was interesting. You know, I, I can't speak for all men, but I've had some experience. And so I hope some of that is interesting to people. Um, and we should, you know, do this again sometime. We'll, we'll talk about you know, some other stuff. And, and Chip and Kelly, I do appreciate you guys taking time having me on.
Yes. Well, it was so Thanks great to talk yeah. to you. You guys, uh, slide into John's DMs if you have any other questions. It sounds like he might be taken now, but ladies, if you're uh, looking for somebody, you know, you never know. <laughs> this could be a matchmaking service for you. We never know. There we go. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's rock it. Send matchmaking service. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you guys for listening. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.